the Gut Podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK, and in my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, I'm discussing the Editor's Choice Manuscript from the April 2017 issue entitled European Consensus Conference on Faecal Microbiota Transplantation in Clinical Practice. I'm delighted to welcome two authors of the article here today, Professor Giovanni Camarota and Dr. Gianluca Ainiro, both from Agostino Gemelli University in Rome, Italy. So thanks for joining the podcast today. So your paper reports on consensus recommendations for faecal microbiota transplant, or FMT, in clinical practice, created by the European FMT Working Group. Firstly, can you tell us about the working group and the methodology you employed to produce these consensus statements? Good afternoon. I'm uh, Professor Giovanni Camarota. Uh, I am a gastroenterologist at uh, University, Catholic University in Rome, School of Medicine and Surgery. I am a gas, uh, teacher of gastroenterology. The working group was of this consensus conference was composed of 28 experts who were selected because of their expertise in the field of FMT and gut microbiota. According to the specific expertise, each member was assigned to one of five established working groups with the aim of releasing statements on indication for faecal microbiota transplantation, donor selection, preparation of faecal material, clinical management and faecal delivery, and finally basic requirements for implementing an FMT center. The quality of evidence and the strength of recommendation for each statement were assessed by the grades of recommendation assessment, development, and evaluation grade system. To achieve consensus, we used the Delphi method. It means that several rounds of statements were uploaded in an electronic system and shared with the group. For each statement, the consensus members were requested to, de- to rate their level of agreement. First, uh, level one, strongly agree. Two, agree with the reservation. Three, undecided. Four, disagree. Five, strongly disagree. If the rating was uh, other than agree strongly, respondents were requested to add some comments to explain how to improve the statement. All statements not reaching 80% of positive agreement were revised and rated again in the further round of voting. After two electronic rounds of voting, 22 of 28 consensus members met for a face-to-face meeting where statements were voted in a plenary session. Statements and non-reaching consensus were discussed and aid removed or modified and voted again. At the very end, all members of the consensus panel approved the final version of the released statements. So currently, FMT holds an evidence base for the treatment of recurrent C. difficile infection. Can you summarize the evidence that underpins the first consensus statement that recommends FMT be implemented into clinical practice in this scenario? 
Yes, the strongest evidence of the efficacy of fecal microbial transplantation in recurrent Clostridium difficile infection comes from randomized controlled trials and systematic reviews and meta-analysis. At the time of the conference, three uh, randomized controlled trials on this topic were uh, available in the literature. Two of these showed significantly higher resolution rate of FMT than vancomycin, about 90% uh, versus 25-30%. Another trial compared the effectiveness of the infusion of frozen fecal material with the administration of fresh material, showing an overall resolution rate for the treatment of a recurrent Clostridium difficile infection higher than 80%. Moreover, in several systematic uh, reviews and meta-analysis, recurrent Clostridium difficile infection resolution rate achieved by FMT ranged by between 85% and 89%. So does this recommendation apply to refractory C. difficile infection? Yes, refractory uh, infection can be defined as a disease not responding to antimicrobial treatment, which often arises as several severe uh, clinical pictures. For this reason, we strongly recommended FMT to be used in these patients. Although we do not have so much data as for the recurrent difficile infection. So keeping on the same theme, is there evidence for the use of FMT within the first episode of C. difficile infection? Uh, no, in this case, no. We cannot recommend FMT for the first episode of Clostridium uh, difficile infection for two main reasons. First, because we still do not have reliable efficacy data showing the superiority of uh, fecal microbial transplantation over antibiotics in this setting. In addition, we still do not uh, know if fecal microbial transplantation could be cost-effective as a first-line therapy. So there's a growing body of evidence assessing the role of FMT in non-infectious pathologies, and this may emerge into future clinical practice. So can you tell us a bit about this? The experts panel uh, took into account other clinical indications for a possible use of fecal microbiota transplantation in clinical practice, such as uh, inflammatory bowel disease, IBS, metabolic disorders, uh, pediatrics, but for none of them emerged an evidence-based recommendation to use fecal microbiota transplantation, except that in a context of research. Among these indi indications, However, ulcerative colitis is the one with the most promising, uh, promising evidence. Uh, there are, uh, publish, uh, have been published in the literature three randomized controlled trials that uh, are very promising. The remainder of the consensus focus on the practicalities of the delivery of this treatment, and there are several considerations, and we'll work through each of these in turn. So firstly, what are the key considerations and consensus statements on donor selection? Uh, okay, it's Gianluca Yenira speaking. I am a gastroenterologist at the uh, Policlinico Gemelli University Hospital. Uh, basically, uh, the potential donors for FMT have to undergo at the beginning of the selection process uh, uh, three main steps, uh, questionnaire, uh, blood exams, and stool exams. Uh, 
the questionnaire aims to exclude uh, basically uh, non-infectious disorders of risk factor for them and the presence of GI disorder or drugs which may impair the microbiota. So uh, an effectiveness issue and a safety issue. Uh, to, reduce, to reduce the risk of downward comorbidities, uh, uh, people younger than uh, 60 years old should be preferred, but this is not mandatory. Uh, once the questionnaire has been uh, developed, uh, the suitable donors for FMT should undergo both uh, blood and stool exams to exclude the most common infectious disorders uh, at most four weeks because of the donation, and in specific cases, an additional set of optional exams uh, has been proposed by the panel. Uh, all the screening donors have to undergo another interview on the same day of the donation uh, in order to check any recently onset potentially harmful issue. If there are no changes in donor health and specific uh, uh, issues, testing may be repeated up to eight weeks for uh, uh, repeated donors. So the next slides consider aspects of preparation of the fecal material. Tell us more about this. Okay, there are two kinds of fecal material, the fresh material and the frozen material. Uh, they require two different protocols to, to be applied for their preparation. And the most relevant steps include that uh, for fresh fecal material, that uh, it should be used within six hours after the defecation and uh, uh, a minimum amount of 30 grams of feces should be used. This is true also for the frozen material, that at least 30 grams of donor feces and uh, 100 ml of saline solution should be used to prepare the material. And before freezing, a glycerol should be added up to a final concentration of 10% uh, because glycerol is a cryopreservant, so it preserves the material uh, from the uh, freezing. The final suspension should be clearly labeled and traceable and stored at the minus uh, 80. Uh, and on the day of the fecal infusion, the fecal suspension should be towed in a warm water bath and infused within six hours from towing. What are the consensus statements and considerations linked to faecal delivery mechanisms in clinical practice? Okay, uh, the consensus report uh, first went through the preparation of the patient and then described how to perform properly FMT through different routes of delivery. About the preparation of patients, we know that the patient with recurrent Clostridium difficile infection should be treated with vancomycin or fridaxomycin at least for three days before the FMT and the uh, antibiotics should be stopped uh, 12 to 48 hours because the, before the fecal infusion. This is important because uh, all the available evidences on FMT include a bridging therapy with specific antibiotics before FMT. And this protocol has been established for two main reasons. First, because we cannot leave the patient without anything while waiting for the FMT. And then because a preparation with uh, specific antibiotics may help somehow the action of healthy fecal material. And then the second statement about the prevention preparation, it is that recipients should be prepared with bowel leverage by polyethylene glycol before the procedure when FMT is performed by the upper route of by colonoscopy. Also trials using uh, this kind of uh, route of delivery and always use the bowel preparation before FMT. And moreover, we have shown that an inadequate bowel preparation is a risk factor for the failure of a single fecal infusion. 
Then there are some statements for uh, different routes of delivery. We know that uh, FMT by colonoscopy, when possible, should be uh, performed uh, uh, with the infusion done in the right colon uh, through the working channel of the scope. And uh, in the cases of severe colitis, uh, uh, fecal suspension can be disposed in the left colon for safety reasons. FMT by enema has been recommended to be used in critically ill patients because it's less invasive. And uh, FMT by upper GI tract uh, should be done through a gastroscope or through a nasogastric uh, or a nasojejunal or gastroscopy tube. And the patient should be kept in a 45 degrees upright position for at least four hours after the infusion in order to prevent the aspiration. What are the possible short and long-term adverse effects that require monitoring? Okay, the short-term adverse events are mainly related to the procedure and mostly are mild and include the diarrhea, constipation, and bloating. Severe adverse events are very rare and include the bowel perforation, the aspiration pneumonia, and the septic shot. The long-term adverse events include theoretically all the disorders that may develop after being triggered by an alteration of gut microbiota, but uh, we still don't have uh, so much long-term uh, safety data for it. So we basically we don't know what happens after 20 years uh, after FMT. There's a statement suggesting development of referral FMT centres. So tell us the key recommendations for this service delivery. Yeah, uh, three main issues have been highlighted to develop an FMT centre. The clinical requirements and the facilities, the microbiological requirements and the regulatory requirements. The clinical requirement and facilities include first the need of a specific training on FMT processes, which means clinical training to manage patients, deliver training to know how to deliver uh, the, FM, uh, the fecal material, and microbiological training on how to prepare the material. And uh, the working group has highlighted the need of a multidisciplinary team, including the uh, GI uh, specialists the microbiologists and the infectious disease physicians to call, uh, work together uh, to address uh, the best treatment for the patients. Then uh, the facilities include uh, uh, endoscopic clinical ward and outpatient clinic facilities and uh, clinical governance dealing with the administrative issues of FMT. Then we have the microbiological requirement including uh, specific uh, laboratories, including the uh, biosafety level two, uh, that include all the steps uh, that are needed to perform the FMT, so the aliquoting storage and the preparation of feces. And uh, then uh, the working group has highlighted the need for the stool banking uh, for the de development of the centers, and uh, also that the, the, all the documentation of the procedures uh, of FMT and the donor screening, as well as uh, the donor fecal samples should be stored uh, for the for future adverse events uh, which may occur. And finally, we have the regulatory requirements that include uh, appropriate FMT registries that should be implemented uh, to collect data concerning indication, procedure, effectiveness, and safety profiles, and uh, specific national rules for the classification of FMT should be followed to implement an FMT centers uh, in uh, the nation uh, of the of the physician that want to involve it. 
Well, thank you for running through the practicalities of this treatment um, for us. But moving on to a final question, um, what do you think are the outstanding research questions for FMT and how do you think this will evolve over time? There are three main unsolved questions for FMT to date. First, the FMT procedure is far from being widely diffused because of regulatory issues and the lack of training, principally. To improve the way we treat our patients, we need the dissemination of FMT procedure, as well as institutional agreements to let FMT be available in clinical practice everywhere. Another relevant issue is the development of future approaches to modulate microbiota, what we call the 2.0 fecal transplant. There are indeed several ongoing trials that aim to address the effectiveness of a microbial consortia in restoring microbiota, mainly in patients with costume deficient infection. Most of them have quite promising data. If confirmed, this approach could even overcome and bypass the classical FMT. Finally, another issue is the use of FMT in other non-infectious disorders. To date, we do not have enough data to recommend it for other diseases beyond costume deficient infection. So we need keeping on research to clarify this issue. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank both of the authors for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.